0: How does God look at marriage? It's an important question for those who are about to get married, those who are married, and those in any community. Because the stability of marriages means stability of family life, and therefore the stability of our communities. It's an important question for those who are contemplating divorce those who suffered the tragedy of divorce and hope to remarry, and those who help engaged couples prepare for marriage. Our reading from the book of Genesis reveals a great deal of how God sees marriage. If you take out your Bible during the week and you read the creation accounts, you'll discover that the biblical writer uses one verse to describe the creation of man, but he uses five verses for the creation of woman. I would share with you with someone who observed after mass last, uh, last night, I don't dare right now. Now why? The sacred text puts a simple truth before us. God desired to create for the man this one creature who alone can dispel the man's loneliness by being both similar to him, yet also very different. But why was the man lonely? Wasn't he privileged to give names to all of the animals the Lord put before him? Yes. But in doing so, the man became aware that he was unique, exceptional, different from all other creatures. And unlike those creatures, the man was solitary, without a mate, the man was alone. No creature was suitable to be the helpmate for man because none were similar to him. God made man good, but the man's state of loneliness was an affront to the goodness of the man's being. God, out of compassion for the man, chose to provide him with a helpmate that would be like him and yet very different. This new being therefore must have intelligence, and free will as the man does, a soul as the man does, and therefore must be fully equal in all ways to the man. But also, this new being must have a body, that is very different from the man's, so that both find in each other that which complements the other, gives pleasure to the other, and can generate new life through the marital embrace. The woman, and only the woman, is the appropriate creature for the man. No animal, no other man, only the woman, Who is both like and different from the man can be a suitable helpmate, share in man's uniqueness with her own uniqueness, still the loneliness, and complete the man. To stress how carefully and intentionally God created the woman, the sacred text tells the story of the man being placed in a deep sleep and how a rib was removed from him and used to form the woman. Actually, it's interesting, the Hebrew, I believe, uses the word to build the woman. Very rare expression. The intent of the story is to underscore God's meticulous attention to detail. Man came from the dust of the earth. Woman, however, came from a living being to become the mother of all the living. Rabbinical teaching holds that since the rib is near the heart, this implies a profound intellectual, emotional, and spiritual bond between the man and the woman because for the ancients, the heart was the seat of the intellect, the soul, as well as the passions. And then there is that key verse that so often goes unnoticed. Verse 22, which says, God brought her to the man. They are five simple words, but packed with meaning. Rabbis have always seen, as does the church, that God is the one who escorts the bride to present her to her groom. We carry this understanding, though I suspect many don't think about it, In the way that a bride wears her wedding gown and she comes down the aisle of the church, she is presenting herself to her groom as a new and radiant being dedicated exclusively to him and he is dedicated exclusively to her. By God presenting the woman to the man, God is declaring that each is an irreplaceable, non-substitutable gift to the other. God, then, is the author of marriage. Not human love. Not human passion. Not physical attraction. The sacred text concludes... That is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife and the two of them become one flesh. This is the moment of the marital embrace when the man and the woman receive each other and give the self to the other, not only physically, but with intention and devotion. And such a union cannot be dissolved. This is the biblical view of marriage. Now, take all that and bring it into the gospel, and something interesting happens. The Jews allowed divorce. And when the Pharisees wanted Jesus' opinion on divorce, they had no idea who they were talking to. The son has always been one with his father and therefore the son was present when the father created man and woman and when the father brought the woman to the man establishing the institution of marriage. The son of God then knows exactly what the dignity and profound vocation marriage is and all the graces that are offered The Son of God, now in human flesh, told the Pharisees and his own disciples that if they want to know his understanding of marriage, they need only go back to the book of Genesis. Divorce was tolerated, said Jesus, because of what? The hardness of your hearts. This was never the intent of God. It's a tragic testimony to man's fallen nature, and totally contrary to the joys that God intends for husband and wife to share. Now, we are often shocked by such an uncompromising teaching. So were Jesus' disciples. We think it's unreasonable today, and it makes us question of, Does God really understand how difficult married life can be? Does God understand that people change? Does God understand that, well, sometimes we just make very poor choices? Doesn't God understand that people can grow apart and act in ways that work against marriage? Oh, God understands (laughs) better than we know. One of the things I have done over the years in preparing couples for marriage is to ask them a question. Why do you believe God is calling the two of you to enter into marriage? Now, rarely can a couple answer right away. Usually they want to go find another priest. I don't doubt that they love each other, but as every married couple knows, love is not enough. That is why marriage preparation becomes a form of spiritual direction to assist the couple to see marriage as God does and the awesome power their vows can unleash in the world if they accept the grace to enter into it freely and without reservation. I also ask that question of couples who are struggling in their marriage. I ask the question of those who are preparing to divorce in the hope that they will rediscover or perhaps discover for the first time the graces they were given and are always given. Perhaps it would be a good thing if every married couple in the church this morning Took a little time and talked with each other. Why did we marry? What is it that we saw in each other that called us to enter into this holy way of life?